Miles Monroe International is dedicated to helping you discover your God-given purpose, maximize your potential, strengthen your personal leadership, and become an agent of change. Keys to maximizing your life. You have another year that we're going to go into where God's going to give you another opportunity to make the best out of your life. I want you to take notes because you're going to get some instructions for 206. I've been incubating this message for a while. If you don't know what life is, you don't know how to live it. How do you measure life? First, I want to encourage you to write this statement down. Life is a gift of God given to you to fulfill His purpose. Life is a gift from God given to you to fulfill His purpose. In other words, life was not given to you for you to live for yourself. Listen. This is so important because one of the things that I want you to focus on is how to understand how life should be lived. Here's a second principle to remember, that life in time is measured in days and months and years and decades. Life in time. God gave us a gift called life and then he put us in time and time measures that life in durations of days and months and years we're about to leave another year the question is how did you live it the third principle to remember is that success in life is determined by how we use our time how we use our time and we're about to lose some time again You will never see 2005 again until you stand before God and God will review it and show you everything you did in it again. The Bible says everything that you do will be revealed in the last day. So life is measured by how we use our time. Fourthly, time is the only common commodity among humans every human being in this building and watching me around the world right now live all of us have the same commodity and it's time and everybody has the exact same amount of time that's why our time is a common commodity some of you got more money than others some of you got more weight on your body than others Some of you got more education than others. Some of you have more accumulation of goods than others. But everybody has the same amount of time. And because we all have the same amount of time, then the next principle is critical. And that is, we become whatever we exchange our time for. Whatever you use your time on... You become. You are exactly today what you used your time on all year. If you sat and watched television three hours a day, every day, 
multiplied by 365, that's how many hours you sat on a coach watching things that can't help you probably. The amount of time you put off going to evening school this past year and replace it with activities that were not academically progressive has brought you where you are right now. You are exactly what you have used your time for. And God keeps on giving us a little bit more time. Maximizing your life is simply maximizing your use of time. And I'm here to challenge you as we leave this year to make a decision tonight to use your time more effectively in the new year. Because you are only the sum total of what you've done with your time. Everybody really lives the same thing. They live the same 24 hours. It's just that some people, their results are different because of the way they use their 24 hours. You don't need to be smart to be successful. You need to be wise in use of time. I have accomplished some things this year because of the way I use my time. And those things have benefited me greatly. But they are a result of how I use my time. And to maximize your life is simply maximizing your use of time. Let me give you a couple of things to think about. I call it the inevitable goal. He who aims at nothing will always hit it. Don't look now, but you're probably sitting next to someone who has been very successful at hitting it every time. If you plan to do nothing, you probably succeeded last year or this year. And it's important for you to stop shooting in the wind. How do you maximize your life? First of all, let's define what, means, what it means to maximize. A couple of thoughts here. One, to maximize means to completely expose the true potential of a thing. That's how you maximize it. In other words, do we know all of who you were supposed to be in 2005? And will we see what you're supposed to be delivering to the world in 2006? There are certain things that God has already earmarked you to do in 2006. And he's given you 206 to do it in. And whether you do it or not depends on how you use your time in the new year. Secondly, to maximize means to become all you are capable of. I believe one of the most tragic realities in life is that the average human being is exactly that. Average. Mediocrity is our lifestyle. Doing enough just to get by is our policy. Going home exactly at 5.30 is our commitment. You cannot maximize life unless you become all you're capable of. And number three, to maximize means to go to the end of yourself. Go to the end of yourself. I believe you're not supposed to quit life until you're finished. I don't believe you were born to pay bills. It is not my belief 
that you were born just to make a living. What a tragedy. No, God gave you birth with a deposit. And he wants you to die empty. The end of yourself. Die like Jesus died. He never said he was finished. He said it. The assignment, the, the deposit was finished. You will never finish because you are an eternal spirit. But the assignment on earth, God said, don't you come back to me full of anything. Be one who lived to the end of yourself. That's what I'm committed to do. I don't live just smart. I live hard. I believe in, in doing the best I can every time in everything I do. Going to the end of myself. Maximizing means to become all you were born to be. And what you got to do before it's too late is to discover what you were born to be. Because if you don't know what you were born to be, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. And therefore, you simply waste your life and your time. Life was given to you as a gift from God to fulfill His purpose. To maximize means to empty yourself of your full capacity. I like the way the Apostle Paul wrote it. Paul says, I am like a drink offering being poured out before the Lord. And then he says, now I am spent. That means empty. And I am now ready to be offered Paul didn't die old. He died empty. He said, I have finished my course. I have kept my belief in God. And now there's held up for me in heaven a crown, a reward of righteousness. Because I finished. I didn't just die. There's a verse that I want you to write down. It's a powerful verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it talks about years. Here's what it says. However... Many years a man may live. Let him enjoy them all. God says, look, I don't want you to just suffer through another year. I don't want you to just live going from nine to five and then from five to nine, two jobs, killing yourself. He said, look, I want you to enjoy your life. For some of you, last year was nothing but one big problem. And some of you got so sick from the problems, you never had a chance to enjoy the year. Some of you working so hard to keep a house over your head, you, you don't enjoy the house. Paying that car note, you don't go for a cruise anymore down by the beach just to enjoy the car. It's amazing. You got kids and never enjoy them. You're too busy trying to clothe them and never spend time just enjoying them. God says, I give you many years, not just to live them, but to what? Enjoy them. Please make a decision to enjoy 206. There's a book that I recommended to you. I just bought that book for my kids. and The book is a powerful book. It says, How to Become an Automatic Millionaire. Very interesting book. You see it, buy it. I read it twice. One of the things the guy talks about in the book, he says, the first person you should pay is not the people who you owe. He says the first step to becoming an automatic millionaire 
He says, pay your tithes. This guy says, pay your tithes. He says, and then pay yourself first. Before you pay your rent, he says, pay yourself. I know what you're thinking. You've got to read the book. Because he tells you exactly what you're thinking. He talks about that. He says, I know the first thing you think is you can't afford. He said, look, who's working? You. Who are you working for? You're not working for your creditors. But you see, we don't enjoy life. We pay everybody except ourselves. And who's working? We are. Proverbs 90. Psalm 90, rather, verse 12. Read this. It says, teach us, O Lord, to number our days aright. That we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. In other words, be wise in how you use your days. And that term, number our days aright, means teach us, Lord, to use every day correctly. You know what I do every day? Every day, and I've been doing this for years now, I account for what I do in the day that's taking me closer to my, my, my passion and my dreams. I, 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 I try to do something every day that gets me toward my dream. I try to do at least one thing that moves me to my dream. Making every day count. This is the Bible. The Bible says, teach me. In other words, tonight, he wants you to be taught on how to use Every day in 2006. And you get 365 of them. Teach me how to use every day. How do you maximize your days? Here's some things to write down very quickly. First, you must clarify your purpose in life. Number two, you have to develop your passion for life. And number three, write fast. You have to understand that you got potential to fulfill that passion. And number four, you have to put a plan on paper for your life. And number five, you got to choose the kind of people that you want in your life to take you to your purpose. And number six, you must be persistent. And number seven, you must be involved in personal discipline. You can never make it through a day effectively without saying no to somebody and no to something. Everybody is after your time. And guess what time it is? It's your time. So you better decide who's going to get it. Most of the people who want to see you can't help you. I'm talking there, man. Go on, man. See, let me tell you something. I had to learn a lesson years ago that a lot of people want to make use of your time and they can make you improve. So let your purpose determine your company in 206. Some of the friends you are with now will not take you to your dream. Sometimes it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Sometimes it's an old friend who you outgrew. Here's how you know when you outgrow your friends. When you know more than them. When you are the smartest in the group, it's time to leave the group. Because the people around you should challenge you, not drain you. They should improve you, not use you. They should be people around you that make you stretch your mind. And that's why I choose my company based on my destination. 
There's some folks who you've been with too long. Number nine, you must incorporate prayer in your life. If you are going to maximize your days, because you must spend time with the one who gave you the days. He knows his plan for your life. And number ten, you must think about posterity. If you're going to maximize your life, you don't live for yourself alone. You must live for the next generation. Think about what you're doing and how it's going to affect the unborn. When you live your day, think about the unborn all the time. How will this be an asset to them? Do something that's not just going to please you, but that's going to help the world. Maximizing your life begins with this, this most important one I love so much, purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, to everything there is a season and to every purpose there's a time under heaven. That means when God placed you in the time capsule of life, he put you here for a purpose to fulfill something unique. I like what he says in the book of Proverbs. Uh, he says, Psalm rather 57, he says these words, I cry out to the Lord who is most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. Oh, I feel good about 206. Let me tell you why. First of all, he got a purpose for my life. And secondly, he's going to make sure it comes to pass. There's some things God purpose for you to have, to do, to experience, to travel to, to go to, to, to possess. He gave a lot of plans for you for next year. And God is saying, I'm going to also help you get there. What I like about God is he doesn't only make a plan for our lives, but he's involved in it and he works it for his own purpose. Tell your neighbor it's going to be okay. Because he's going to work out my purpose. You don't need to be afraid of next year. God already been there. That's why he's called the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He's been to the end already. So your future is his past. That's why it's important to know God. If you don't know God, your life is an experiment. If you don't know God, you are simply flip-flopping through life, hoping and wishing things happen. But if you know him, he says he will work out his purpose for me. He will do it. Here's a verse, uh, I mean, a, a, a list I want you to write down. Eight keys to maximizing your time. How do you use your time properly? You don't want to miss these. Number one. You got to have a plan. If you're going to use your time in 206, you've got to have a plan now. Number two, to maximize your time, you must set goals. Lay out specific things you want to accomplish in keeping with God's purpose for your life and the dream you put in your heart. And number three, make a commitment to be patient. This one is big to me. The reason why most people don't stay in place long enough for God to move is because they are impatient. I had to learn that God is working when we don't even see. He is doing things when we don't even know it. And God says, be patient. One of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Patience means plan Set goals and then relax. Sometimes when we're not patient, we try to help God out. 
And we produce babies that cause problems. Like Sarah did. Number four, to maximize your time, you must develop a prayerful habit. I have a habit of praying every day. It's a habit. And I pray. And sometimes I pray five, six hours a day. Not in one place. But my mind, my body is consumed by prayer. Constantly praying under my spirit, under my breath. And I'm driving. I'm in my office. I'm praying. Why? Because a spirit of prayer will always give you access to heaven. And heaven can tell you things that take you ten years to learn. He'll tell you that in one minute. Some of the problems you will try to solve can be solved if a habit of prayer is developed. Because God will reveal to you things that only you will know if you seek him. Number five, to use your time effectively, you've got to commit yourself to the word of God. Some people went through 205 and didn't read the Bible at all. And you might be one of them. And I'm challenging you again. There is no way to live with wisdom unless you study the word of God and learn it for yourself. Don't let no preacher read the word for you. I bought my new Bible for 206. I started reading it last month. Uh, here's my new Bible. It's how it looks. Every year I buy a new Bible because I have to read the Bible through once every year. This is my new Bible. Isn't that nice? And this is nice because the letters are bigger. Shut up. But I tell you, if you don't read the word, you have no resources on the inside. The Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He says, he does it by adhering to the word of God in his heart. The Bible says, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. If you don't get this word in your heart, the word heart means mind. you got to put this in your mind. If you don't get the word in your heart, you're going to have a lousy 206. I'm telling you now. You're going to live on the news you're listening to, the papers you're reading, and the punch. Listen, to, let me tell you something. The only thing that has life in it is the word of God. You are a spirit being. Say amen to that. And Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they give you life. Please read the Bible. If you're going to maximize life, you've got to learn about the life giver. And number six, if you're going to maximize your time, you must develop a submissive spirit to authority. In other words, learn from others who know more than you. Listen, people went ahead of you, they could save you a lot of time. I'm talking a lot of wasted time. Sometimes people give you advice, you think you're smarter than they are. I want to admonish you to have a submissive, teachable spirit. When authority gives you advice, listen to it. It'll save you time. I am so sensitive to authority. I know and I don't know. And I got no problem learning from anybody who know what I don't know. That's what makes me smart. A wise man is always teachable because he knows that all he knows is what he knows. And he doesn't know what the other man knows. And that's why it's important to listen to authority. If you're going to maximize your time, let authority save you time. Sometimes your parents tell you, you know, you you don't want to go that way. Why? They've been there. And they got bruises to show. 
And they say, you know, you don't want to start that habit. Why? I started it too. You should see, it's costing me memories I want to forget. Listen to authority. And get advice when you are making plans. Because that's how you save yourself time. And please remember to be careful who you call authority. Because I've known people who got wrong advice from the wrong people. <laughs> you got to make sure that if you can listen to somebody, they are successful already in the area you're interested in. If you want to be a success, you don't follow a failure. So your choice of authority got to be in line with the passion of your heart. Where you want to go in life, submit to authority. And number six, number seven rather, develop a willingness to start small. This is how you maximize your time. Some people want to jump in and start big right away. If you're going to be successful in your time management, you begin your dreams in a small way. So many people waste time and waste life because they could not wait for growth. They wanted to have an instant life. And God doesn't work that way. And nothing in life works that way. Start small. Everybody say start small. And number eight, have a servant attitude. That means be willing to serve anywhere. You will change a lot of people's lives and you'll save yourself a lot of time. Let me tell you something. 99% of my success so far has been meeting people in the midst of service. When you are serving, God creates rendezvous for you. I hope you hear me tonight. You see, 2005 already has some people for you to meet. And those people are supposed to change your life, brother. And they're supposed to make life easy for you. But you'll normally find them when you pick up a basin and a towel. When you decide to serve in the church, serve in a youth group, serve some boys home, or go to the prison, or do something. If you just serve, God will rendezvous your life with success. If you only seek the limelight, you only come when you are in charge, you only want to attend when you are the one day watching, then you'll never succeed. God will set you up when you bow your knee to wash other people's feet. Have the spirit of a servant. Anything I've accomplished in life was at the basin and towel level. I was doing something for God and I meant somewhat. I met a guy yesterday. I was uh, doing a rehearsal for a wedding at the hotel. I was doing a rehearsal and I was leaving the rehearsal. Serving two of our members, you know. And this guy stopped me in the, in the lobby. He said, do you know who I am? I said, no. He said, I grew up with you. I said, okay. And then he told me who he was. My God. Then he told me what he was doing. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. He said, I want to help you. I said, mm-hmm. I met him. Do you know where? Go into my car. Out the lobby. And this guy has the ability to change my life. How many people you miss because you say, I ain't going to that wedding. I ain't going to support nobody. Or I ain't going to that place. Or I ain't going to that funeral home. I'm not going to that old folks home. And God is saying, there's someone there who's supposed to meet you. So I got his card. We're going to talk next week. 
He said he got some solutions for some of my problems. Praise God. Service. Make yourself a servant, 2006. The power of trust. I love what this word of God says here. In the book of Proverbs chapter 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not to your own smarts. I meet people who always think they're smart, you know. And just, I mean, and I just smile. I go, you, you ain't, you can't even tie your own shoe in life. Listen, trust in the Lord. And he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. It says you trust in the Lord. That means abandon yourself to him. And do not lean to your own education. Your own understanding of life. Because you ain't smart to figure out life. Life is too complicated for you to figure out. And in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. Acknowledge means to respect him. And say, I trust you in this. Suppose Joseph, when he was going to prison. Suppose he had told God, don't take him to prison. You know the guy who was supposed to promote Joseph was in prison? Come on, you all talk to me. So Joseph had to trust God that even in jail, God's plan was in prison. There's a job that you're going to get, or maybe you already got it. But it's not the job you want. And God is saying, shut up and go to work. Why? There's somebody there who's going to set you up for your next job. But they are stuck in that job, so you go to that job. Why? Don't lean to your own understanding. But in all your ways, what? Act not. Sometimes you go to the bank, the bank tells you no. God says, accept the no. Why? That ain't the bank. Matter of fact, I got another plan for you. Ain't no bank going to help you. I'm going to send you a wealthy person and they're going to charge you no interest. Come on, anybody want to have that kind of blessing? In other words, lean not to your own scheme. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will what? Direct your path. Your life in the next year is already planned by God. And he says, trust me with it. I trust God in my life. And do you know why I make big plans every year? Because I trust God with my life. Listen to this. Jeremiah 29. Read aloud, please. Everybody read. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now watch the next verse. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me only when you seek me with what? All your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He says, look, I got plans for you, but you got to seek me. You are not going to be successful next year with a casual relationship with God. What you did to God this year, God ain't going to tolerate next year. God don't want you to visit Him. He wants to move in. God don't want you to spend a few moments a day with Him. He wants you to give Him your whole day. Can I hear an amen? God is saying, don't you give me no back seat in your life. I'm going to be the driver in 206 and you're going to go where I'm going to take you. Why? He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to what? Prosper you. I don't understand why people don't trust God. When I was in Baintown living in that wooden house, man, I tell you what, I got to know God as a 13-year-old. 
And when I began to understand that God has a plan for my life, Baytown became an incubator of greatness. While eating juju, I got revelations about my future. Sucking on tambourine, God gave me marvelous visions for my life. And then he says, now trust me. God's got a plan for your life. Say it. Say it loud. He tells you that. And it's not plans to hurt you. People think that, you know, when you follow God, you ain't got no fun and things going to be you know, restricted. You are dumb. God says, I don't want to harm you. I want to prosper you. What a deal. And then he says, I want to take you to an expected end. I have a plan with a beautiful end and I want to take you there. But whether you get there, he says, is up to whether you seek me. Because if you could get at least some plans out of your head on paper and put them before God, God will work them out for your prosperity. There's a verse of scripture that I, when I was a kid, I read this verse and it changed my life. It says in Psalm 20 verse 4, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. What a beautiful verse. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all of whose plans? Your plans succeed. God says, you write the plans down and I will give you the success of them. This verse is very important because the verse actually stresses that your desires are equal to God's plans. Which means that if you desire something and it doesn't leave you, then that's God's plans for your life. Some of us want God to speak to us out of an angel in the night or some ghost appearing in the the room. God says, no, I speak to you by giving you desires in your mind. I give you strong passions. He says, and if you write them on paper, then he says, I will make those plans succeed. When I tell you God speak to me, 99% is usually just God giving me an idea. And the idea wouldn't go away. You've been getting a lot of ideas this past year and next year they're going to double and God is saying, will you just stop and put them on paper and give me something to succeed in your life? I like the word desire. Desire means that you ain't got to you know, come up with money to write them on paper. You don't need money or resources to write your dreams on paper. Look at this next verse. Powerful verse. First Chronicles chapter 28 verse 12. It says, He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord. Where did God put the plans for the courts? In his mind. Some of you want God to do some apparition. You know, some strange angel appear. God says, no, I've been speaking to you all year. But he says, you keep thinking they're your thoughts and they're really mine. And I want to bless you. But you got to what? Seek me with all your heart. And you will find. Look at this next verse. Proverbs 12 verse 5. It says, this one changed my life. Okay, this is a verse. It's one of my secret verses that changed my life. It says, the thoughts of a righteous man are right. That verse changed my life. 
Because you see, I was taught by religious people that God is spooky, you know. This is the Lord, you know. No, no, no. God says, look, when I put thoughts in your mind, they don't go away. That's me. And if you are righteous, that means if you're lined up with God, then every thought you think, he says, are right. It's possible for God to speak to you through your thoughts. God says, yes. If you stay in right relationship with me, every thought of a righteous man are right. What a a, a powerful promise. A couple of thoughts about focus. Finishing is more important than starting. I know many of you are going to start some beautiful things in the next few hours and, you know, all your resolutions are going to be put down and, and, you know, I thank God for resolutions. It's very important. But you see, finishing is more important than starting. You don't just want to start. You want to finish. Hallelujah. Proverbs 15 verse 22. Write this down, please. Plans fail because of what? Lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. <laughs> I love this verse. Proverbs 16 verse 1 says, To man belongs the plans of the heart. In other words, you are the one that makes the plans. It says, but the Lord gives the reply of the tongue. What that means is, you write the plans, God explains how it's going to be paid for. God says, you write the plans, I'll decide how we're going to work it out. But you have to write them. It says, you have the plan authority. You've got to write the plans. I am challenging you tonight to maximize your time and your life this year by putting your life on pain before you live it. Plans are simply putting your life on paper before you live it. Planning means that I have decided how to live my days. A plan means I've dictated to myself what will happen in my times. Without a plan, your time belongs to other people. Without a plan, your time belongs to circumstances. Without a plan, your time belongs to haphazard living. And that's why life is so depressing for most people. Because life itself takes over people's lives. Friends, I decided over 25 years ago never to live under the circumstances. Why? I decided to create my own. The only way to create your own circumstances is to write your own plan for the year. These things I will do. And you put them on paper. God says, when you put them on paper, I'll explain how they're going to be paid for. Look at the next verse. Read out loud. Please go. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. In other words, when you put your plan on paper, God says, let me check the motive for this plan. Is it to make yourself rich, your own self, your own selfish interests, your own ambition? Or are these plans to help the world, improve people, impact young people to make them better, to change your country, to bless your neighborhood, to bless your church, to improve people? He said, that's the plan I want. He checks your motives. Look at the next verse. I love the next verse. Proverbs 16 verse 3. Read out loud, please. Commit then to the Lord whatever you want to do. And your plans will succeed. I love the next verse. Verse 4. The Lord then works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for the day of judgment. Let me tell you something, man. This is great. Because even the wicked people come into your life are part of my program. Thank God for that right now. Just thank you. You're going to meet some, listen, some folks being harassing you in 205. God says, that's part of it, man. 
They harass you right into progress. Harass you into promotion. Matter of fact, they, they cause you to lose your job to get on your own business. In other words, he said, look, the, even the wicked is a part of the program. The folks who didn't like you, that was part of the irritation to get you moving on. Some of the folks who left you were good. God said good riddance. And some of you are going after them, and that's dangerous. Don't leave me. God said, no, there's a time to gather and there's a time to scatter. There's a time to embrace and a time to release. And when God releases, don't grab. God says, even the wicked, I'll use them for my purposes in your life. You know, I, I like this verse, Proverbs 16, verse 7. It says, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he even makes his enemies to live at peace with him. Anybody been through that this past year, give him a big praise. I mean, people just try to mess you up. They try to screw you up, try to abandon things and mess up. And God says, all oh, that's part of the program. I'm going to make that a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. I love God's word. Verse 8, he says, better is little with righteousness than much gain with justice. That means slow down. It may seem like it's taking long, but it's better to do it slowly with a little by a time than to get a lot and then lose it. That's why God doesn't like gambling, you know. That's why God doesn't like lottery. Because it cancels that principle of slowing down and getting a little by little so you can keep it. There are people in our country who are rich, but they can't go to Florida. Little by little, he said, get it the right way. 2005 may be slow, he said, but that's part of it. I want you to get it slow, because every place your feet shall trod, you shall possess. He didn't say every leap that you, you, you achieve, every place your feet. Step by step shall trod, you shall possess. Some of us want to leap into the future. God says, no, I want you to walk into it and I'll give you every place your foot shall trod. Anybody want to receive that this year? It's God's will. This verse I want to leave with you. We want to pray over this verse. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, those who always look at the negative. Well, I ain't going to plan because, you know, nothing might happen. He said, no, that's stupid. He said, go ahead and plan. Well, I ain't going to plan because I ain't got no money. God said, that's not what I ask you to do. I don't see the plan. You look at the, the clouds and you say, I ain't going to do nothing. God says, no. Look at the next verse. He says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. He said, don't procrastinate. Act. Proverbs 12, 27. The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possession. That means the diligent man says, I got gifts, I'm going to use them properly. He prizes what he possesses. I have talent, I have wisdom, I'm going to use it next year. It's going to be a blessing to the world. I'm going to use my gifts to improve humanity. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Don't rush, God says. You'll become poor. Ephesians 1, 11 says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, 
being predestined according to the purpose of him who works out everything according to his counsel of his will that we who we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. He works out everything for his purpose. <laughs> I love this last one, Ecclesiastes 11. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. This is a very important verse because the next verse tells you why. It says, don't try to figure God out. He says, you don't know how the wind blows. Don't know how a baby is formed. Even the scientists can't figure it out. How life begins. He says the same way you don't know that. You don't know how God works. Say amen somebody. The next verse therefore says this. It says. <laughs> it says so therefore sow your seed in the morning. That means go to work on the man's job. And then in the evening. Don't let your hands be idle. Start your own business at home he says. You don't know which one of them will prosper you. Because you don't know how God works. Next year God says don't waste time. Even in your downtime, get busy. Some of you are sitting on a gold mine right in your house. It says whether both of them will succeed or either one will succeed. God says use your downtime effectively. When you get off from work, start your own work. Because you don't know which one's going to be prosperous for you. And by the way, I like this verse because I want to warn you. Sometimes you get an idea. And then you want to leave your job and pursue it. I want to warn you, don't do that. God will say, stay on your job and also work on your business. Because some people do the wrong thing. They quit their jobs and they got a family or they got obligations. And now they're stuck out there trying to get this business to run. And now they got two problems. They can't pay their bills and the business ain't working yet. God says, look, do both. Go to the other man's job and work. And then on your own time, do your own business. Because if the one at home grows bigger, then you can leave and you don't go broke in the process. Is this wisdom from God? Give God a hand for being smart. It is God's will for you to prosper, but not to be stupid about it. It's God's will. If you think you can do it, that's confidence. But if you do it, that's competence. If you're going to maximize your life, you have to be competent. You got to do what you plan. You got to act on it in Jesus name. For further information on Miles Monroe International products, conferences, partnership or Dr. Monroe's itinerary, call us at 242-461-6400 or visit our website at www.bfmmm.com or tune in to Dr. Monroe at www milesmonroe.tv for life-changing messages on potential, leadership, vision, and the kingdom. Miles Monroe International, transforming followers into leaders and leaders into agents of change.